Welcome everybody to Forgotten Heroes. Another episode, another week with your hosts Zach and Chris. Yo. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing pretty good, dude. I'm really excited for this episode today. This has been a, this has been a long time coming. Right, a long time coming. So you know, for those who have been long time listeners, or you know, you just started, you might see our artwork. You know, we got half of Black Panther and the other half is Ghost Panther. Now we're gonna get on to the other guys. My favorite, my top, one of my top Marvel heroes, Spider-Man. Yeah. And if I may quote the '90s Spider-Man TV show, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, <laughs> Spider Blood, meow, meow. <laughs> uh, the '90s were another beast entirely. They really were, but they they were great for uh, some early cartoons. You got you got to love that '90s cheese, really. Yeah. It's just like it's there's just a a lovely nostalgic element to it. Yep. And actually, and I feel like that kind of cheese, as you call it, fits for Spider-Man. That's it, you know, because that's kind of how he is. That's how he responds to the threats in his life. You know, there's a lot of superheroes that they'll take it seriously or, you know, they might not take it. He sounds like he's a jokester, but that is also to hide his fear because Superman usually is just like, you know, I can't show fear because I have to. So Spider Man's like, oh, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna crack jokes. Yeah. And, and I before think that's we go, you go. No, oh, okay. I was gonna say that's one of the things that like makes him so relatable too. Like one of the reasons he has so much success is because he's so, you know, I mean, he's not similar, but he's similar enough to sort of like everyday people, or at least one of the first ones who was close enough to life with everyday people that made him so marketable, you know, with like the two jobs and the duality and consistently worrying about money and rent and, you know, girlfriends and hiding his secret and everything like that. It's all like hiding a secret isn't a new sort of theme within the superhero genre, but just like everything else that I mentioned is definitely a, a way to make him more relatable. And I think it also plays into the him joking about his pain type thing. Like he really, that's very, that's a, that's a very common coping mechanism. So to see that in somebody who like has all these powers and all this responsibility and all this like drive and genius, it just like makes him more relatable to people. And that's like something that uh, Stan Lee worked really hard on. And he was originally rejected. You know, people didn't think he would be a good character. And then Stan Lee was like, screw it. I'm going to do it anyways. And here we go. We have a huge franchise today that like people are fighting over rights for him and like studios and stuff. That's really important to remember that Spider-Man almost didn't happen I am going to follow up on that. Before we go any further, I do want to mention, this is comic books. Multiple universes most likely are going to be in play. So keep that in mind. I will do my best to remember to name the Earths that we refer to and where they are for certain characters. So, right. So back to that, what you were saying, Chris. Right. Spider-Man is the one of the most relatable characters ever because he started off as a teenager, right? He started off high school he's got his powers and he's dealing with normal high school stuff on top of being a superhero and at the time you had people like tony stark uh he's a billionaire he's also iron man he still had a secret identity at that time which you know now is just kind of like oh that's a little silly but back then he had a secret identity bruce banner everybody knew it was bruce banner and hulk right oh yeah he didn't he didn't have a secret identity he was dealing with being a monster physically and sometimes mentally and having that dual personality 
but again, that still had its its super not superficial its fictional portion where the physical change the super strength and all that spider-man yes was a bit fantastical with his abilities but he still had to deal with you know doing good in school being you know being a good kid i'm pretty sure eating right at some point i'm sure they made a comic about that oh yeah for him and and that is why he almost never he almost didn't happen it's because stanley went to his editor at the time pitched this idea and his editor was like what no nobody's gonna want to read this First off, spiders, people are afraid of spiders. So yeah. Nobody wants to, nobody cares about a kid. You know, you can't, you can't do that. Anyway, so you're right. He, Stanley said, screw it. Put it in there. I, I believe it was a monthly thing where they kind of had like just one shot. They just had like their own stories, like little stories. That issue sold like hotcakes specifically because of the Spider-Man thing. Stanley's editor turned around and said, hey, Stan, remember that spider kid that I really liked? Yeah, <laughs> that I really liked in quotation <laughs> But the thing is, when he first gets his powers, he's also like an underdog, too. In like the high school sort of hierarchy or like Darwinism period, like pyramid or whatever it is you want to call it. Like he's an underdog on top of it. So that also sort of like puts him in an interesting position, which also made him more interesting to readers. Because now people are like, oh, OK, like, you know, maybe we should be a little bit nicer to nerds. I'm sh- I'm sure not a lot changed, but you know, it's it's an interesting point narratively to look at at the very least. Right, and then even with getting his powers, he still had to come off. He had to do what Superman does is Clark Kent come off as being helpless and still kind of a nerd. Yeah. Quote unquote. Well, now you know, nerd is normal-ish but you know what i mean like he had to come off as being weaker than he actually was he basically had to hide his you know like in the toby Maguire movie you see him go from just normal body weight to buff he just hey he still had to hide that he yeah. couldn't show that off yeah exactly and so it puts him in an interesting position and sort of you know it's a metaphor for secrets people have in their lives too you know whether it's good or bad so he's he's without a doubt one of the most if not the most relatable comic book hero out there. And, you know, comics have, like, uh, progressed to the point where they created a lot more human stories for virtually every character that they can that is still, like, within the human bounds. But Spider-Man was very much sort of, like, the first pioneer for that type of stuff. He was. And he, he also, we saw him, got he got married. That had his own big issue, Mary Jane Watson. Oh God! Don't get me started. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I, I, ooh. We're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna save that. But like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> if if what if the oof that I think you're referring to. I'm just referring to like Mary Jane as a character. That's my. Okay. Oof. I just like okay. I have a personal thing about her. That's yeah. All right. Listen. Not everybody likes her. And you know, it was it was funny because they were married in the comics for twenty odd years. Yeah. And then the some editor somewhere, some writer was like, this is we can't really tell. They felt they couldn't tell good stories because he was in, essentially tied down to Mary Jane Watson. So they wrote the they wrote the marriage out of existence with a deal with Mephisto, a deal with a devil. Yeah. Save Aunt May. He wrote basically wrote the marriage out of existence. Yeah. And so therefore, so, it leads to the weird sexual tension that they are now in forever until the end of time with all the current comic books, at least the ones where they aren't still married. 
Right. I think now there's a lot of comic books where they're getting to get they're getting they're like kind of working their way back. Yeah. Like, yeah, so we're exes, but you know There's a bit of an MJ resurgence, you know, she showed up in the new game and everything, and also they have to keep the marriage in play for some of the uh side universes where um their offspring turn into sort of spider heroes and stuff like that. Right. Uh, but yeah, they they keep it in where they need it at this point. It's not necessarily like base canon anymore. Right. It's not current and which a lot of which that actually re- made a lot of fans angry that they wrote it out of they wrote it out, but they also did it's like, okay, Aunt May was shot. Yeah. Yes. But a lot of people were like, She's old. She's gonna die at some point. Like, let her go, Peter. Holy crap and I'm like there's some fans that are just like, yes, who cares? It's like, what? Is that? That's his last living relative. What yeah. the hell is wrong with you guys? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's there's a lot, there's a couple different ways to look at it for sure. Also, Marissa Tomei in the new Spider-Man movies. I'm gonna say this right now. Not a fan. Not a fan at all. Not a fan of the weird flirty jokes that she has with Tony Stark and everything, and like how they sexualize her and all this other stuff. Don't like it. That might yeah. be like a hate nerd version of me, but I personally, I just don't like it. If you like it, fine. I have no problems with you personally. I think it's a little ridiculous. I listen. I thought it was. I thought it was really funny when I saw that stuff. It's just like the younger Spider-Man gets the younger AMA's getting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, by the 2023 Which makes reboot, no sense. Yeah, by 2023 reboot, Spider-Man's gonna be a baby. They're just gonna have baby Spider. <laughs> You know, Spider just, baby, Spider baby, and his aunt is like high school. Yeah, exactly. We're just gonna progress to the point where Spider Man's just an atom, and that's gonna be it. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah, he's been reworked a bunch of times because he is so relatable. So they've worked on making different versions of him. You know, Infinity right. is over. You know, there's a there's so many different versions, and it's pretty impossible to cover all of them in one episode. But we're gonna hit some of the key ones. Um, I'll probably mention a few of my other favorites that aren't necessarily on the roster, but I'll drop a couple issues because I think they're worth the read or they're a little interesting. Um, but yeah, Spider-Man is a crazy encompassing character. Um, and yeah, I think we can sort of just like jump right into this. I also want to mention, because this is something that a lot of people don't know, and that something that a lot of people fans debate on what is truly the source of Spider-Man Oh, yeah. By, by source, everybody knows Radioactive Spider bit Peter Parker. He got powers. Yes, but also throughout the years, it was written that the spider was also magic. Yeah. So some – and there was a time where he had his powers more and more magical based. Yeah. And that's where we got the organic webbing. Yep. And, and, uh, and like – uh, wrist mounted, like wrist retract, like retractable blades. Yeah. Kind of like Wolverine, but they were more like, you know, they were supposed to represent kind of the fangs of a spider. We obviously we went back to normal stuff that didn't live very long. But I, what I think, and this is my understanding, at least my view of it, the radioactivity of the spider transferred the spider abilities to Peter. Yeah. The magic is what connects him to the web of destiny. Yeah, which goes throughout the multiverse and mm-hmm. connects him to the other spider totems, which is what the the spider men are referred to, the spider people, I should say, are referred to as because every single spider person has those same animal villains, you know, Doc yeah. Ock, Rhino, 
Yep. There's usually some, there's some different variation of that. Um, and actually, when we get to one of the characters, there's a very interesting iteration of the lizard specifically. Um, and when we mention spider totems, we're talking about uh, Michael Straczynski's run on sort of Amazing Spider-Man. Um, for those of you who have not read it, and the spider totems and the the web of time or the web of destiny, whatever you want to call it or whatever it's branded as, um, take Spider-Man in a very, very different direction um, that can be kind of confusing and is hated by a lot of people. Personally, I don't have that big of an issue with it. I love prophecies and stuff like that. Um, so, like, I'm okay with it, and there's a specific issue in particular I'm going to drop at the end. Um, but the spider totems themselves and sort of, like, the web of time or web of destiny um, takes him in a very different direction that Zach is sort of talking about. Um, and, yeah, there's been other times that he's picked up mantles and, you know, worn the cape of Doctor Strange and things like that. And, yeah, it's it goes in a couple different directions, once again, because he's just been around for so long. And they need to, come, like, come, like continue coming up with fresh ideas for the character to keep people interested. And he's, you know, he's got different suits. Oh yeah. Take down the Sinister Six. Yeah. They just, they just veiled a a new suit actually, like uh, probably about a few weeks ago. That's going to drop. I think either later this year or next year. Um, I'm not sure how I like it. Yeah. I mean, as far as his suits go, it's not my least favorite, but it's also not my favorite. Uh, I like the I like the color scheme. I think the layout could be done a little bit more. I don't know, a little more cohesively. But that being said, I don't hate it. You know, there are there are plenty of suits he have that are like ridiculous. I'm looking at you, bombastic bag man, and uh, you know, there's there's plenty of really bad suits he has. So as far as like as bad as it could have been, I'm not that disappointed, honestly. Yeah. If you want examples of other suits. Definitely play the Spider-Man PS4 game. If you can't play it, definitely look into those suits. Some yeah, of them have, are yeah. creations of Insomniac. Yeah. But most of, like, three or two of them are three. Like, anywhere from three to four suits are made by Insomniac. Everything else is from is a reference to the comics and the movies, yeah. Yeah, and the, the bombastic bagman, what I'm talking about, is literally just Peter oh. and the OG Fantastic Four outfit with a paper bag over his head, over his head, excuse me. And it was used to protect him from the Venom symbiote, I believe. And it was created by, it was literally, it was a very simple, like, technological ploy. I say technological, even though he's literally just putting a friggin' bag over his head. Um, but that's yeah, it's literally just a paper bag pulled over a Fantastic Four suit, and that's like that's that that's it. And so like as far as ridiculous outfits, that one kind of takes the cake in my mind for sure. Yeah, well I'm pretty sure he he had the he was he went to the the FF and asked to borrow it because his suit was torn to pieces and he was afraid that um you know any more damage and people would know who he is. But but it's still silly. That's so. Yeah ridiculous and that's actually in the game too you can unlock that if you get the dlc so it's it's really great honestly i i know i love it so i i I ran around it up until i got to a cutscene, and then i went no all right no more of this (laughs) yeah (laughs) like stop bag is like clipping through stuff in the cutscene. i know exactly what you're talking about (laughs) yeah meanwhile they had ghost spider there i want to move on to another super popular spider-man Everybody knows him now. 
thanks to Into the Spider-Verse movie, thanks to his own game. Yep. Miles Morales. Such a good Spider-Man. Such so a good Spider-Man. I literally could not be happier with their creation of him. I love the variation on his powers. I love his issues. I love how he still has the relatable aspect even more so because he is um, black and Hispanic and he has like those sort of heritage roots, which also makes him somehow they found a way to make Spider-Man even more relatable, especially to the people in New York City. You know, they've given uh, rise to a different era of him. And I'm glad he's getting so much attention now because his issues have been around for a little while. Um, it's kind of sad that it took him so long to reach the limelight, but that being said, I'm glad that he's getting as much pull as he is in pop culture because he, he's a fantastic Spider-Man. I love Miles Morales. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, he's he is. You're right. Yeah, he made him even more relatable, and not just to everybody. To I, I don't like to say this, but a group of I don't know humanity. I don't know how else to say it, really. That has had, historically, has not had a good time yeah. in societies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, they they took a popular character. Now, the only reason why they were able to spin this is because Miles Morales started off in a different universe. He was on Earth-1610, which is, which is referred to as the Ultimate Universe. Yeah. That universe was supposed to be more realistic than the Marvel Earth 616. And by more realistic, that version's that version that universe is Thor. His hammer is not the small thing. It's more like Stormbreaker, like the Stormbreaker from the movie, like big yeah. and kind of has like a long handle, like an actual hammer axe probably should. Yeah. That so and that universe went to shit <laughs> oh yeah Hard. but that's the thing they when we say realistic they um suspend the willing suspense of disbelief a little bit more you know they make green goblin huge they make the hammer large and stuff like that um and they also they put miles in an interesting position with um his dad being a police officer and sort of his uncle aaron taking on the sort of role of the prowler and stuff like that and so what they did rather smartly is they opened up a little bit of a conversation between the vigilante actions of Spider-Man and sort of police, as well as how it sort of relates to race. Like there's a couple really good issues where they have very honest, vulnerable discussions that I'm really proud of the writers for sort of throwing in there based on, you know, the current climate that has been happening for a while. I don't want to get too political, but I think it's important to know <laughs> at the very least, you know, it's, it's something that we should be talking about. And I'm glad that it has come to light in these issues and with his character right and he you know and he's a lot of times you get characters that are like i'm hispanic i'm african-american i'm this that that and that's it no he is both he is two things and that is fantastic and you're right spider-man having to deal with like his dad being a police and being a police officer and his uncle being a hired criminal you yeah. know and he's in the middle kind of because he's viewed by criminals as being a hero and by police officers sometimes being a, a vigilante just which a is just <laughs> right you know? or like, yeah or that that's the thing the spectrum of views on spider-man has always been there even with peak even with peter parker even with ben riley miguel o'hare all of them every single one of them has had a spectrum 
of police that either consistently hate him and listen to J. Jonah Jameson or are willing to turn their views around or, you know, consider him just one of the good guys and stuff like that. You get a whole gamut of how they perceive him. And with Miles, it's amplified even more so. And it's important to note before we go too farther that Miles also has a variation on his powers, one of which is um, sort of like cloaking or invisibility, I guess you could say. They call it uh, uh, camouflage or something of that nature. Um, And he also has sort of a his venom blasts and sort of his bioelectricity, um, which makes his character a little bit more versatile and a little bit more variable on top of it, you know? And I think one of the things that I talked about with my sort of close group of Spider-Man friends when he first came out was that they were like, what do you think about the new powers? And honestly, I think it's great. You know, they don't stray too far off, but they gave him powers that are interesting and that apply and stuff like that. And I love how they spun it in the... Um, excuse me, in the new Spider-Verse movie where he gets scared and he goes invisible and stuff like that. Like, I love that. They did such a good job curating his variability and making him his own independent Spider-Man with his completely own style that it's just great. It's just a perfect little nod to that. I love that kind of stuff. He's got everything that Spider-Man has, Peter Parker, and then on top of it, he's just got like a couple little bit more variations that are just like make him just a little bit more interesting and a little bit more fleshed out than a lot of the other alternate versions of Spider-Man, in my opinion. Yeah, a lot of the other versions are just cookie cutter Peter Parker with a little bit of different sprinkles on it. That's 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 yeah. a good analogy, I think. Yeah. And Miles <laughs> Miles started off kind of that way. But yeah. Then you're then he grew into his own, you know. He started off – now, yes, he was a high schooler when he became Spider-Man, and he had to take up the mantle. Yeah. Because he was also bitten by the same kind of spider that Peter was. Yeah. But in, in his universe, Peter Parker had died. And Peter Parker, to my knowledge, was about a senior in high school, if not like just graduated. So he was off – he was going he was going to go be in college. But he got his powers when he was, I want to say, a sophomore, maybe a junior in high school. Yeah, and yeah. It's, a little, it's a little bit later than Peter, just a little. Right, bit. right. No, not even that. He's a bit earlier, Miles. Oh, Miles, oh yeah, no, Miles, you're right. right, right, right. I misspoke. He is earlier. Yes. Miles was like sophomore, if not a freshman. So he, it was like, all right, you are now fresh in high school, and you also have to go be Spider-Man. Peter Parker was like, I've been in high school for about a year or two, but now I have to go deal with this other stuff. And I, I hope some of you are like, wait, Miles started off in, in 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 a different universe, but I've read recent comic books. He's interacting with Peter Parker. How is that possible? Yeah. We've mentioned it before. And if you remember last week's episode on Doctor Doom, there was a little thing called Secret Wars 3. Doctor Doom, I'm not going to get too far, too much into it. We've talked about it extensively before. Doctor Doom becomes a god make makes a world out of what's left of the multiverse there were some people that lived through the that destruction through arcs some people were from earth 1610 some people were from earth 616 they're the last ones everybody else is either from this new battle world or you know which most of them are except for these people that live in the arc they were in the arc and 1610 had a lot of villains. I'm not going to get into who they were, but it also had Miles. And then on 616 arc, 
there was Peter. So they were both, you know, trying to be like, all right, how do we save the multiverse? How do we restart it, basically? And there was a guy, Molecule Man, who had the powers of the Beyonders, who are just godlike beings that are outside of the multiverse. Yeah. They they live in what's referred to as the white space or wild space. That's a cute what, reference to the white pages of a comic book. Is this what they're from? They're basically like, all right. They're be- they're between the reader and the comic book. They live in they live in between. So Molecule Man has the powers and he's feeding them the doom. In in the middle of it, Peter and Miles meet the Molecule Man, and Molecule Man asks them for food because you know yes he can make anything out of anything. He can literally just met mess with the atomic structure of anything and make a make food, but it's not going to be the same. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Miles it's, gave it's... him Miles gave him a burger. I didn't mean to cut you up there, Chris. I'm sorry. No, Miles, gave him, Miles gave him a burger. And Peter's like, wait, Miles, did you just have a burger? He's like, yeah, I had it for about uh, for about three weeks since we've been here. And he's like, well, we were also in hibernation for eight years of this world. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. is that an eight-year-old burger? He's like, no, I'm pretty sure hibernation doesn't, you know, freeze his time kind of. Peter's <laughs> like, but that's still three weeks. He's like, and it's been in my suit. I don't think he should eat it. Malcolm Man's like, nah, it's, I don't care. <laughs> this is yeah. good. So his his reward was to get his whole his whole timeline, his story saved and put in Earth six one six. Yeah, it's great. The issues where Miles and Peter spend time together are honestly they're they're so wholesome. It's like the best word I can think of it. Just like their dynamic, the two of them is really really great. You know, there's there's a moment where Peter has to return to his universe and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, make sure you don't get cloned. And he's like, oh, watch out for the Washington Bridge and stuff like that. And sort of like, you know, gives him like pointers and stuff like that. Um, and unfortunately, there's a new issue that just dropped where Miles is going to get cloned. And um, yeah, I know. Right. We'll see how it goes, because the first clone saga was a friggin disaster. Well, that a- was a disaster because it took up. Because for the next few years of real-time comic, because back then, comics moved where the timeline moved in real-time to the real world. So, you know, but that, but at, for a few years, that Spider-Man was a clone, and then Peter Parker, or supposedly, that Spider- the one who was Spider-Man was a clone, and the one who was with Mary Jane was Peter Parker. Surprise, it wasn't, but also, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 Yeah. The Clone Saga is, um, I'm going to caution you know, you guys, I'll, I'll drop a, there's a specific issue, the one that I mentioned earlier by uh, Straczynski, that is sort of involved in with the totems and the Clone Saga and stuff like that, and it's, um, you know, it's crazy confusing, and I, I would just issue a warning, I'm not saying don't read it, but I'm saying be prepared for somewhat of a headache, um, you know, if you're a diehard Spider-Man fan, um, and it's one I- that you- haven't gotten around to it's you know i it, it recommended for sure but at the same time there you need to approach it with a little bit of an air of caution from what we've seen at least what, what chris and i've seen aka what i've shown chris is these clones are going to have flaws physical and probably mental and one looks like he's 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 bane plus spider-man it looks like he's man spider which you've done already a dozen times. And oh, yeah. the Peter Parker with six arms is always all sorts of fun. Oh, gosh. <laughs> like, I can't. Like, I want to read it, but I also don't. <laughs> yeah. There, there's, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, 
I'll skip it for you there, Zach, and say that you can read it, but you're not going to get much from it, buddy. It's one of those that I was kind of like, I read it when I was younger, and I was like, oh, cool, Spider-Man with six arms. And then I was like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. And then I read it like six years later, and I was like, yeah, this isn't written as well as I remember it to be. But Yeah, you know, and I hope they don't do that with Miles. Yeah, I hope not to. We'll see. I don't know. It, it looked like in the teaser that there's a little bit of like a symbiote hybrid, which I'm kind of interested in. But that being said, it's still like, you know, you got to be careful with different versions of Spider-Man and stuff like that. Like, I, I would say that Miles has sort of a really cool variation just in his powers and stuff like that, because a lot of the other alternative Spider-Mans are just like different mantles, essentially. They're just like different people um, to a certain extent versus like the 616 Spider-Man and stuff like that. Um, but usually have relatively the same powers. You know, there's a couple, there's a couple variations and I think we're going to talk about a couple, but that being said, um, it's, it's, he's just tried and true. So they don't see to change his powers or anything like that. You know, they, they work on his character and how he's written, you know, potentially making him better or worse or more in a gray area and things like that. Yeah. Like and there's a whole like Spider-Man has had his whole Spider-Verse. He's actually had two Spider-Verses. Two, literally two different Spider-Verses. Yeah. One that focused more around kind of, you know, the first time and you know, these villains and Peter kind of leading them. And then the second one was Miles leading because Peter had to do something else. The second one had a lot more like fan-made Spider-People, which I thought were cool, or Spider-Sonas, as I believe they called. And anybody who couldn't actually make it into the story, they made they had like artwork in the back. I'm like, that's so cool of them. But yeah. also, when I finished reading it, it was like six issues. I'm like, that was kind of that was kind of cool that they had like fan made characters, but also really wasn't needed. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of one of those things, you know. You, you don't want to pile too much on for sure. But that being said, it's it's cool to see different versions of him, like noir and things like that, and uh, everything else that's going on. But yeah, yeah. It, it's it, he's he's just like variated very well. That's basically just all it is. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Anything else you want to say about Miles there, Zach? Before we jump into the next guy? Uh, no, I think we've gotten the, f- the two main Spider peoples down. Cool, 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 cool. All right, so um, I think the next one we're gonna talk about. I'm gonna I I feel like Ghost Spider or Spider Gwen, depending on how you want to talk about it. Uh, right. Spider Gwen. Of, yeah, that's sort of involved in the name. You know, it's Gwen Stacy who was bitten by the react, uh, radioactive spider. I almost said reactive. That's not quite. I mean, it was reactive, but mostly reactive. reactive. And uh, yeah, and so she gets the power. Spider Man. Oh, go ahead. Yep. This is over taking place on Earth 65. As Chris said, Gwen Stacy was bitten by the spider and not Peter. Yeah, yeah, and so it's different, and it's cool because this sort of brings up the variations that I talked about earlier, um, because in some of the issues, Peter Parker actually takes up the mantle of the lizard, Dr. Connors, and, you know, Peter Parker and Gwen are best friends in this universe, and so it provides sort of a little bit of an inner turmoil for Spider-Gwen, because he more often than not, when he picks up this mantle, usually does not survive in sort of the final uh, cumulative battle against Spider-Gwen and himself. And so that is like kind of one of those variations where they make Peter Parker out to be the bad guy that I think was just like done in a very clever manner. You know, it's cool because it also, Peter has the scientist background, 
And then there's Gwen who has the love interest background with him and other universes. And so for the viewer, it's just like a little mind boggling. And I find it to be incredibly interesting. Um, yeah. You're right. The, the, this universe is actually pretty, this one in particular is interesting because this started off as just a variant cover of yeah. Gwen Stacy being other, her and an, and we're going to have an episode on a certainly on another uh, character, Red and Black, if you can't figure that out. He's also Spider-Man's quote unquote best friend yeah. um, that also had a Gwen Stacy alternate alternate variant cover that became its own character. This one, they, they made a whole story because it was like, that looks cool. And they're like, all right, we're making a story out of it. Obviously, they didn't need to, but they did. And they threw her into the Spider-Verse and they're like, all right. Now we're actually going to start kind of like her story. Like we're going to get up to Spider-Verse. Then we're going to continue after that. You know, so right. Peter Parker became the lizard because he didn't get the powers and he wanted to be just like Spot. Now, obviously, she's not running around New York City as Spider-Gwen. It was Spider-Woman. But for us in the comic book title, it was Spider-Gwen because there was already a Spider-Woman yeah. for Earth 616. Yeah. Yeah. And Jessica. yes, who is not necessarily a spider person but she counts i guess anyway yeah <laughs> yeah she can't she counts for the most part she just meets the criteria you know she got a 65 average exactly you know that's why she's included <laughs> oh goodness chris mentioned her name is ghost spider yes now it is called she is called ghost spider because in her universe she has lost her powers gained a venom symbiote which is not an alien. It was manufactured in a lab. So kind of more like the ultimate Spider-Man's Venom. She actually now uses it and she's in control more than it is because it was also being, you know, the whole, we've had a whole Venom episode. The symbiote can kind of also be corrupted by the host. She and the host, she and the symbiote are better now. But in her universe, she was actually, you know, her identity was revealed. So everybody knows it's her. But the reason why she's called Ghost Spider is because... Because, and it, and I always love this. She lives in Earth 616, but she goes to school in – sorry, she lives in Earth 65, but she goes to school in Earth 616. So yeah. there she is called Ghost Spider. And I find that hilarious. I was like, listen, I've heard of like foreign exchange students, but this is ridiculous. Yeah, it's a, it's a little ridiculous. It's cool though. I, I like the combination of like just enough of a symbiote to help her out though. I think that was like sort of – they found out a way to variate it enough where it is more of an advantage for a longer period of time versus like when Peter first discovers the symbiote or, you know, whoever first discovers the symbiote, whoever happens to be the host at the time, they enjoy the power at first and eventually they realize it's too much for them or it straight up kills them. But this is a nice variation where it's sort of the playing field is just a little bit more like equal and level. Um, and it's interesting and sort of, you know, goes exactly into what Zach's saying is that like the symbiote can be, um, you know, beneficial to the host and can be in, you know, certain expectancies or issues be corrupted by the host. And we say corrupted in quotes there because Gwen is innately a good person. Um, and I'm just going to say this right here. Gwen Stacy is the best girlfriend Peter Parker has ever had. That's it. Period. That's my opinion. If you disagree, that's fine. I'm not going to hate you, but my opinion, she's the best girlfriend. MJ can suck it. I'm going to say that. <laughs> I do not like MJ at all. She can suck it. I don't like her. Um, listen, we're not going to have an argument. Peter Parker's also had a dozen girlfriends. More than yeah, you I was probably about to say. technically should have. 
there's no shortage for you to pick who you like and dislike, you know, with him. He's he's uh quite the ladies' man when he decides he wants to be. So yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. That is hilarious. Yeah. I actually find your viewpoint on her the fact that you don't like MJ is a little refreshing for me because you got people who either like Gwen Stacy, Felicia Hardy, or MJ, and most people pick MJ. I personally doesn't matter to me because Peter Parker is somehow will screw it up. Yeah, that's true. It, for for you, it's more about him versus everybody. Yeah, he does screw it up in a lot of senses. Unfortunately, MJ is the one that he carries the longest relationship with, and that's just because she's OG in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Gwen is the best, hands down. You know, followed very closely by Carly and Black Cat, in my opinion. But we're not getting into my top ten list of Peter Parker's girlfriend. We're just here to talk about Spider-Man, so I'm going to get off my soapbox. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Well, listen, soapboxes are soapboxes. Stanley had a, had a good one. Yeah, this is the episode for soapboxes for me, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I So, there is a character that I... Them, a lot of people might be thinking because we just went through Peter, Miles, and Gwen, and they all showed up in the Spider Verse movie. There is a fourth one that's on our list, but I kind of want to go to a different guy first. At yeah, least two more before we get to him. Because there's I'm down with that. yeah, because the other the other guy that I'm thinking that we got, he, there's not a whole lot to really talk about, and he's kind of like obvious. So yeah, he's he's more so of a. a, a he kind of falls into the realm of like jokey Spider-Man heroes. And if you, if you've seen, you know, Spider-Verse, you know who we're talking about, but we'll mention him. We'll, we'll give him a nice little nod at the end because you know, there, I guess you could say there's some value to him, but he's, you know, com- some comical value at the very least. You're right. I want to ref- go back. And now every, almost every episode, we have a character from this universe, earth 9602. And if you know what those numbers mean, I congratulate you for listening for this long and knowing and having this Earth memorized at this point. We yeah. refer to it a lot. This is the Amalgam universe. This is where mm-hmm. DC and Marvel combined everybody. And by everybody, I mean everybody. Oh, yeah. So now you're probably thinking, well, how did you, you know, how do you, who do you combine Spider-Man with, right? Because in this universe, you know, there's a character called Super Soldier. That's Captain America plus Superman. Yep. It's literally just Captain America with Superman's level of powers and the uh, American shield is actually the the Superman S as a shield. You combine Spider-Man with Superman, but not Peter Parker and Clark Kent. No, no. You get the first Superboy, Connor Kent, and Ben Riley. You get the clones and you merge them. All right. So this is where you get Spider-Boy. Yeah. He's a very interesting uh, combination in my mind. This is one that I'm not I'm familiar with, um, but I have not read extensively on. He's not one of my favorites, but that being said, he's still a very valid character and is very interesting to talk about. Yeah, he so his full name is Peter Ross. I'm sure some of you are like, that's neither Kent nor Parker. What? Wait a minute. You're right. He was a, so the clone. So the 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 clone is supposed to be one of Super Soldier, right? With the ability to control gravity was not did not fully. Uh, and it was a clone of Peter Parker, right? Who died in this in an accident that had to do with the cloning. It wasn't fully completed. 
That's kind of where you get that's kind of where you get the Superboy part and the Ben Riley. So he does not have the ability to wall crawl, but he can control gravity to the point that it looks like he is. Yeah. That is that is a reference to the old to the first Superboy, where a lot of his strength, a lot of his powers, was really just his manipulation of gravity, like his flight, his super strength, even kind of his speed a little bit was just his him being able to mess with gravity around him. So the clone was adopted by Thunderbolt Ross, by General Ross. It was referred to by Pete, the clone, as Uncle Jen. Yes, that's a reference to Uncle Ben. And yes, unfortunately, this man suffered the same fate as Uncle Ben. Yeah, unfortunately, Uncle Ben doesn't make it in a lot of the timelines. There's, there's, there's a specific one I'm thinking of at the end that I'll mention and I won't spoil. But yeah, it's, it's, he meets the same fate a lot of the times. Yeah, so Spider Boy, you know, he he leaned more into the old classic Spider uh, Superboy. He was kind of rebellious and he was kind of like hey let me be on tv and stuff he did have web shooters but he only had one and it was more like a web gun so he doesn't have any of the organic webbing or sort of the wrist oriented launchers or anything like that he has his own design which is cool and i think is sort of a uh a sort of uh, result just of the universe and honestly you know as far as like web designs could go for alternate universes i don't hate it i think it's really cool you know, it's an interesting sort of take on it, especially when you take into account the manipulation of, excuse me, of gravity and everything like that. It's, uh, yeah, it's real cool. Yeah, and he, and which is definitely like a good play. He's kind of like, in a way, he was like Miles before Miles. Like, yes, he had the powers, but it wasn't wasn't really the same. He had his own uniqueness, as his own style for sure. And I think that comes from. I'm glad that they made him more. A little bit more of his own independent Spider-Man in just like more of a technical sense and a little bit with the power variation and just like allowing him to do relatively the same things with just a little bit of a scientific caveat to it. Right. Yeah. The caveat being like he's not truly Spider-Man, but he's not he's not, you know, just super soldier. He is his own being. You know, he's got his own villains too, bizarre Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The 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 villain amalgams can get a little ridiculous, but very often, much so. More often than not, they're interesting at the very least. Yeah, you know who? So we just talked about one, you know, a character plus another character. I want to go to another guy who is the actually the other half of our artwork for Spider-Man. And what a what, and a spider person that I find very interesting and would love to know more that I actually just snagged a pop figure of not that long ago, and I was thanks. I was just walking around CVS and I just or Walgreens and I saw it. I'm like, it's the only one left. When am I ever gonna see this again? Getting it now? <laughs> yeah, jump on that when you find it, dude. That those are those are tough to find. I'm not a big Funko Pop collector myself, but like, yeah, if you can grab that, especially with like the weird variations of everything, that's really cool. Yes. So we're going to right, the weird variations of, of everybody. I was I love those, but I'm trying not to be a big pop collector. Anyway, <laughs> we're not here to talk about pop figures. We're here to talk about comic book characters. Yeah. So we're going to hop back to Earth 6616, but we're going to put we're going to go to a pocket dimension, Warp World. We have mentioned this before. We've mentioned Warp World before. This is the Marvel Universe cloned and folded in half. 
put in the soul stone i wish i was making that up the story yeah. had you know some people like infinity wars some people don't yeah it has it has to do with uh uh i believe gamora gets a hold of the gauntlet in some sense and ends up sort of fragmenting time a little bit and sort of creating these pocket dimensions that zach is sort of mentioning so it, it's a result of a different bearer of the gauntlet or at the very least of the stones depending on the dimension that you're talking about yeah he it's <sighs> yeah but this one specifically for warp world has is a lot of cool sort of iterations there is a um i believe he's called tony odinson which is essentially an iron man and uh thor sort of combination um so you get a lot of cool combos and variations like that um, and Arachnite is actually uh, Peter Parker, but at this point within this dimension, within this pocket dimension, he is CEO of Parker Industries, um, which is a little bit different. And it's kind of cool to see him fleshed out to his full scientific potential in a different way that isn't focused just on uh, vigilantism. So, you all, it's funny that you mentioned that. So Arachnite, as he's referred to as in this universe, he is supposed to be Spider-Man plus Moon Knight, who Mark yes. Spector is somebody who has multiple personalities. And sometimes they come up as, in different ways where one of them is Mark Spector. The other one is Moon Knight himself. And it's, it's a different guy with a different name. So technically speaking, you can take off the mask and it's like, all right, well, that's Mark Spector. Well, He's not the one driving the car right now. It's this other guy, right? And then there's another one, Dr. Spectre. Not that, you know, original of a name. That's a, that's a whole different aspect, too. So Arachnite is actually four different aspects of Peter Parker's mind that yep. splintered when his aunt and uncle were killed by Goblin by Night. Which yep. We referred to him in our Green Goblin episode and was given powers by the spider... It was, it was I remember it was Spider God I believe, which is a reference to the Spider Totem, but also to Moon Knight who gets his powers from Khonshu, the Egyptian god of the moon. So Arachnite, there are four people in there. There's the Arachnid who is who is usually the one who who is primarily the Arachnite when he puts on the Arachnite suit. He's the one who's mostly in charge, mostly for the public. He's kind of the, you know he's the jokester, he's lighthearted, so more like Spider Man. The other one, who is the aspect of the Arachnite, is referred to as the Knight. And he is more like Moon Knight. He is darker. He's aggressive. You know, like, and it usually only shows that for the villains who really yeah. need it. Yeah, he's a little bit more of an anti-hero and sort of follows a little bit closer suit to Moon Knight. Yeah, there's a th the, the third one is usually referred to as CEO Peter. Yeah. Even though I'm pretty sure that's main, that's really the main Peter Parker. He just, by the other aspects, he's referred to as the CEO. The fourth aspect is known as Science Peter. And he's the one who, he's the scientist. He works on his tech. He actually is, like, the least athletic of the pers personas. And by that, I mean when he was, when he accidentally was put in charge of Arachnite mid-swing, he's like, uh, guys, I don't know how to do this. Which is yeah, interesting he's, to me. He's, he's the nerd version. Basically. Right. Which is funny to me because it's like, well, it's your body. How do you, like, why would you, 
it's kind of like muscle memory. It's like, all right, listen, the knight and the and the arachnid are usually the ones who are in charge of this. I don't do this stuff. All yeah. of a sudden, I have to do this, and pff, I forgot entirely how to do this. I don't know what to do anymore, guys. Somebody help me. Yeah, that's sort yeah. of that's a great sort of somebody send me a lifeline sort of callback and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a, the the combination of the both of them. I sort of planned that segue because I wanted you to in, introduce it. But yeah, for those of you who aren't familiar with Moon Knight's character, he is very dark, and it's interesting to have him. There's a couple issues where he comes to terms with his multiple personality disorder and stuff like that and um he has enough of a code of ethics that when you mesh him with peter parker you get something very interesting um so the warp world did a really good job sort of accomplishing that um and honestly his costume is bomb he looks great i love the arachnite sort of aesthetic he looks awesome all the time he does and what's also cool is in the comics if you read it when the personas are talking to each other each one of them has a different text style in their box so it's like it's like you know this is ceo because it looks like a normal one you know this is the knight because it's a little jagged you know that this is the arachnid because it looks a little like super cartoony kind of text you know this is the nerd because it's almost like almost looks like it's like digital text in a way you know like it's you can almost see like it was made out of if you're looking at a digital clock they do they do that kind of similar to the way that they uh do deadpool where right. he has different sort of, you know, voices. voices in his head depending on you know which version of Deadpool you're reading and stuff like that, and they just illuminate it with different color boxes and things like that. It's a similar aesthetic to that. Yep. Which is which honestly, I I don't think I can imagine trying to read anything like that uh, yeah. normally. I think it would have been like new. Yeah. I'd be like, wait, which one? Are we, wait, which one's talking right now? Yeah. And even then, like when the like when the arachnid is in charge of the body. Like you can see mo- mostly, you can see like the face mask more so. When the knights are charged, it's like dark mode. It's like literally shadows are covering the mask, and I'm like, you're already covering your face with a mask. You don't need the shadows to cover that <laughs> yeah. too. Like, like hello. It's just for theatrical effect, you know. It's just a, it's making them look cool, you know. Everybody loves a, a black and gray gradient, you know. <laughs> yeah, he just took a page out of Batman, and I'm like, all right, well, yeah, well, Moon Knight is very. <laughs> You know, Moonlight himself has been criticized as being too close to Batman. So there you go. We've come full circle. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, there are literal like ripoff references of Batman in Marvel and oh. Moon Knight. Moon Moon Knight is Marvel's Batman. I'm like, yeah, okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whatever you whatever you think. Whatever helps you sleep at night. <laughs> exactly. Listen, they rip each other off, and they're not they're not trying to hide it. It's yeah. It's, as long as it's not like you're trying to actually say or use that character, it's like, all right, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Speaking of ripping off, I'm pretty sure this guy would get – Marvel could, might get, could get sued by uh, Looney Tunes for this guy. <laughs> yes, they certainly could. So we're returning to the character that we mentioned earlier that had a brief cameo in the Spider-Verse and was voiced by John Mulaney, the comedian – and um, it's Beautiful. kind of embarrassing that I know that off the top of my head, but <laughs> I do. And yeah, that is Spider-Ham. And it leaves nothing to the imagination. It is Spider-Man in the mantle of a pig. And that is because he got bitten by a radioactive what? <laughs> so Does, Doesn't leave a whole bunch of the imagination. So Spider-Ham... 
is on Earth eighty three eleven. There I have been multiple Earths. This is usually referred to as the larval Earth. I'm sure I pronounced it probably wrong. I don't know. I apologize. But that's as close as you can get. <laughs> right. There's been multiple versions. It's it you know it's all good. So Peter Parker. I am not making up that name. He. Well, he was actually a spider bitten by a radioactive pig woman, right? Yep. So she was experimenting with a radioactive hair dryer. I don't know why anybody thought that would be a good idea. Whatever. So May Parker bit the spider, and the spider changed into a pig person. Yep. And for some reason, that messed with May's memory. It was like, oh, that you're my nephew. And he's like, Sure. Yeah, I'm still figuring out this whole hands and feet thing, but sure, I'm your nephew. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and it's like, okay. So I don't know really why he decided, all right, well, let me just put on a spider, let me just put on like a spider suit and be a superhero. I don't, <laughs> sure. Yeah, so he's fought people like Dr. Doom and, the, and like the Buzzard and King Pig Yep. Ra- Raven the Hunter. Yeah. Oh God, I forgot about Raven the Hunter. And Pork Rind. Oh, it 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 goes on and on. It's essentially just a universe of animal puns as it relates to Spider-Man and his enemies. And that's yeah, that's 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 Spider-Ham. <laughs> that's yeah. that's that's the thing. There's not much to say about him. It's just, once again, it's a very goofy sort of comical, loony-inspired universe, and they accomplished that to a fault. They do a, they, they did a great job with all those puns and all that Looney Tune inspiration. Nobody can argue with them about that. Nope. But what's funny with Spider-Ham is he does come from a world that's more cartoony like the Looney Tunes. Yeah. He also has an additional ability that I didn't realize until I started to look further into him after the Spider-Verse movie. He has something called Spider-Nonsense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about this. Versus he, the spider, the spider sense, the spider. No, nonsense. he has that too. Yeah, but he has this. He has the spider sense and then the spider nonsense with it. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So god. the more danger he's in, the more cartoony he can be. Yeah. So that part in Spider Verse where Scorpion was about to attack one of the other spider people, and then he just had a anvil land on his head. That was like the perfect moment of like his spider nonsense just kicked in the high gear. Like, all right, let's do this. Yeah, and he pulls the hammer out and he gives it to him at Miles at the end, and he's like, "It'll fit in your pocket." That's like a direct correlation of his powers, one of his powers. Yeah, and I'm like, okay. It's not just canonically funny; it's actually a power for him. Yep, and I love it. Yeah, and it's so. Right. <sighs> it I mean, is that character. You got to bring it home. You know, you can't like. You yeah. can't think with that type of stuff. You got to go all in. Otherwise, it's just, you know, you're not going to get as much out of it, dare I say. <laughs> yeah, I, listen, I agree with you. So I think that's the time. I yeah, think we should make some reference, make some reading recommendations. Let's do it. You go first because I, I got a list here that I got, and I also have a couple characters that I'm going to throw in as well. You got it. So we're going to go backwards. Spider-Ham. You can read anything Spider-Ham, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Ham, anything that's referred to as What The Comics yeah. from Marvel. <laughs> Spider-Verse, he's in there. Edge of Spider-Verse, he's in, he's in Spider-Verse. Yeah. So 
Arachnite, he's very simple. He's in Infinity Wars, Infinity War, uh, Secret Warps, and Infinity Wars Arachnite. That's it. That's like three yep. comic book series. You got to look for it. He's, he's not around a lot, but for where he is, you get some good quality reads out of it. Yep, same thing with Spider-Boy. Spider-Boy 1, 2, and Spider-Boy team-up. Yep, not a lot there, but decent not, with it. Yeah, not a lot there. Hard to find. Definitely read them digitally if you can. Oh, yeah, they're going to be a little harder to find just because the Amalgam universe is a little bit older. Yeah, a little hard to find. My foot, how about <laughs> extremely hard to find because it didn't make a whole lot. Yeah. Spider-Gwen slash Ghost Spider. Uh, Spider-Verse, Spider-Gwen, Ghost Spider. That's like there it. She is currently in the Amazing Spider-Man run right now for the Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man yep. Volume 5. So you can find her there. Miles Morales, Civil War 2. Miles Morales, Spider-Man, Champions. Sp- he's, you know, Spider-Verse, Ultimate Spider-Man, Miles Morales. There you go. Spider Geddon. He's in all he's in a lot of this stuff. Ooh, I forgot and then Peter Yes, Peter Parker. Literally anything Spider Man. <laughs> yeah. There's there's not too not, not too much to go for there, pretty much. Yeah, it's got Spider Man, Spider Man, some of the Avengers, done. Fanta- actually, no, Fanta- some Fantastic Four. There you go. Yeah. It's anything Spider Man is usually Peter Parker. Yep. That's Chris, where the, where the what you got for us. Uh, okay, so let's see. I was going to recommend a couple specific um, Peter Parker narratives, um, one of which is the uh, the issue that I mentioned before that was J. Michael Straczynski's run on The Amazing Spider-Man that goes a little bit off the rails because of the spider totems and the web of destiny. That is Amazing Spider-Man number 38, The Conversation. Um, as far as like how that story progresses, that's a really good one to just sort of jump into. You need to read a little bit beforehand, um, but that itself is just like a good read and you get a lot out of it. Um, another older version is the death of Captain Stacy. Um, and it was referred to as Spider-Man the killer for a little while because he's sort of blamed for it. Um, it's amazing. Spider-Man number 90. Um, it's exactly what the title implies. It talks about the death of Gwen Stacy's father um and unfortunately as much as i hate it i'm going to recommend the actual issue where gwen stacy does die that's not going to be difficult to find at all um there are (laughs) gobs gobs and gobs of that all over the place um and what else was i going to mention oh yeah the gift which is right in the middle of the 90s closed saga amazing spider-man 400 um it's the death in the family one that does a really good job of sort of it's a nice little goofy issue and it gives you some really nice conversation between Peter and Ben Riley. Um, and let me see. Do I have any others off the top of my head? Oh, yeah, of course. The Gauntlet, um, which is sort of the brand new day era Spider-Man. It sees like a re- sort of soft reboot of the Sinister Six. Um, it's a really, really good one. Um, let's see. Spider-Man No More is a classic. Amazing Spider-Man number 50. If you haven't been able to get in there, check that one out. That is like literally one of the immortalized copies of that. So I can't recommend that enough. Um, for Spider-Gwen, I'm just going to recommend anything that is by uh, Robbie Rodriguez uh, because that is an excellent run, and the art there is friggin' fantastic. You really can't go wrong with that. Uh, Miles Morales, sort of same with Zack. Read Civil War II. That's an incredible, incredible arc. Miles really sort of comes into his own. 
and, you know, goes into a couple interesting sort of situations with a mutant who can see the future that puts Miles sort of at the forefront of it and a whole bunch of stuff. And it's it's really, really a great read itself. One of my favorites personally for Miles. Chris, if I can yeah. just cut in and be the um, – I have to unfortunately be the I'm actually kind of a guy. Uh-oh, did I fact check? Did I say something <laughs> wrong? I don't, want, I don't want to steer him wrong. Please fact check me. <laughs> the character you're referring to is an inhuman an inhuman, my mistake, not a mutant, my bad. Listen, the inhumans are basically cosmic mutants. I don't really know what else. To, they're so similar, it's ridiculous. But I can see why anybody would get confused. Yeah, yeah, it's easy to sort of slip up there. So my bad, an inhuman, for sure. <laughs> um, but let's see. I'm also going to briefly sort of just drop a couple characters that we didn't talk about today, but I think are worth the mention. Um, very, very small uh, appearance and iteration of this character um, of Ben Parker as Spider-Man, sort of training a younger Peter Parker um, in this universe. Not unfortunately, fortunately, in this universe, Ben Parker does not die and sort of trains Peter um, to sort of pick up the mantle a little bit. Not no, very Spider well known. Spider-Man and Petey? Yeah, Spider-Man and Petey. It's a classic one, dude. It's uh, not very well known because there's not a lot of it but I would definitely recommend it. Um, and the last sort of variation character that wasn't mentioned today, but I think is definitely um, an honorable mention at the very least, which talks about Silk Spider or Cindy Moon, um, who is a offspring of Peter. And you can read about her in the uh, Spider-Verse, Amazing Spider-Man version 3, 1 to 6. 1 to 6, it has Silk in there. Um, she also has a solo series within Spider-Women or Silk Volume Zero and stuff like that. Um, you can check her out. She's pretty rad, honestly. and She's got a great costume design. Um, so, yeah, those are the sort of the alternative characters and the references. And, of course, I'm going to plug Spider-Island because why not? I do it in every episode anyways, whether it's related to Spider-Man or not. Um, Spider-Island, excellent read. But those are sort of the OG ones. I could go on and on forever, but this was an extensive list that I made sure to sort of boil down. That way this didn't turn into a three-hour-long seminar. So I think we did pretty good, considering we're just about at the hour mark. <laughs> yeah, we did pretty good. Did you say Spider-Ling? Uh, I did not silk. say Spider-Ling. I said Silk. silk. Okay, Silk is... I have to do my um actually moment again. I said offspring, and I think that that's where you may have gotten confused a little bit. Yes. So Sydney Moon was also bitten by the same spider that Peter was before it died. So they're connected in a way that when they're close together in a room, they become they want their 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 braids yelling at them to make like spider rabbits. Yeah, exactly. And so sort and of like, oh, we got to leave yeah, yeah, it gets a little weird, but there's some iterations where she is considered his daughter, even though they're not technically related. I said that just sort of as a footnote, um, but yeah, she's definitely, she's very, very cool. Check it out. If you can get over the weird sexual tension between her and Pete, I fully recommend it. She is, she very much has her own distinct style, and it's very cool. Yeah, I like her too. She's really cool. She's she also plays an important part with uh, Spider-Gwen. Oh, hardcore. Yeah, they, yeah. Don't want to spoil that either, but yep, if you're into Silk and Spider-Gwen, you will eventually run into that string for sure. Yep. So, that should do it for us this week. Join us next week for another superhero, supervillain, comic book character, 
from popular to the to the hidden to the not well known. Oh yeah, and this is definitely not going to be the last Spider-Man episode. There's there's plenty. Oh no. There's plenty to encompass. This sort of think of this as a volume one. We hit sort of the big sort of current players, and then we'll get a little bit more specific. Even though I already did get kind of specific, but that's because it's hard for me not to because he's my favorite character of all time. So there we go. All right, join us next week for another episode.